We are jumping back into the series that we've been doing the last number of weeks. Last week, Pastor Tori uh, gave a kind of a separate message. I was, uh, I was well, half dead. I was at home and you <laughs> hear some of the some of the lingering effects. That's why I'm using the the handheld today because I don't want to blow out your eardrums if I have to cough. Um, but we're going to jump back into, if you remember from two, two weeks ago and, and before that, we, we've been looking at a, a series we're calling Freedom. And uh, it's, we're looking at how God leads us from bondage to freedom. We've been using the amazing story of how God rescued the Israelites out of Egypt. And um, today we're actually going to be finishing up this, this part of the story. Of course, we're talking about the story of Israel. It's like, you know. Two-thirds of the Bible is like that story, so we're not going to go all the way through it. Uh, we're just going to be uh, dealing with, with up to the time where God once and for all sets them free from Egypt. And, and with, with, his, with his help, we're going to get through that part of the story today. Uh, we're going to pick the story up uh, where we left it off two weeks ago, right, right after uh, Moses. And remember, if you remember, God sends the plagues through Moses and um, and God finally convinces the Pharaoh in, in Egypt that it would be it would be best if they let Israel go. So Israel Israel goes. Um, and today we're looking at the rest of that story. Uh, and there are some important lessons I believe that the Lord wants to reveal to us this morning in in the the remainder of this this uh, story. Uh, but first, let's just open and let's just invite God to, to hear the text. We're going to be reading a lot of the story today, um, just because, especially with Old Testament narratives, I really believe that there there's power in just letting you know, like why edit Moses? Just let him tell the story. <laughs> he was he was there. So we're going to be reading a lot of this scripture. So I just want to pray, uh, just to. That, that God would refresh this account in, in us this morning. God, we, we thank you. We've met you this morning already. God, thank you for, for visiting with us. Thank you for, for stirring us. Lord, as we look at your word, would you, would you inspire us again? Would you, we, we've, many of us have heard the story many, many, many times, God. But I ask that this morning it would be fresh in us, that the reality of your power in the story, the, the lessons that you have to teach us, the fact that you are the same now as you were then would become real. And we would, we would leave here with greater certainty, greater faith, greater understanding of, of how you want to lead us to freedom this morning. Amen. Amen. All right, so we are we're we're picking up the story in Exodus chapter chapter thirteen, um, and we'll just jump kind of into the text and, and kind of hop back and forth. Starting in verse seventeen, it says, "When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through the Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land." God said if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness towards the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. So here I want to stop. We, we see our first two lessons in, in, in our, our text today uh, come in this first couple of verses. And uh, we get a great picture here of how God is just such a great leader. 
He leads us so well. And, and I think there's two lessons we can see here. And the first one is that God's path for our freedom is not the most direct route. It's the best route for us. God took them on a detour. He didn't go straight from point A to point B. Um, I love that song we sang Egypt this morning, and, and, and there's so much truth in that song. There is one line that's technically not true. It says it led them straight to the promised land. And if you track the whole story, which we're not going to go, there was anything but straight. Um, no, but God's path for our freedom is not the most direct route. It's the best one for us. He knows your life. He knows my life. And he knows that, that there are sometimes he has to take us in a way that seems out of the way to get us where we need to be when we need to be there. God takes us on these detours sometimes. And we see in the second part of this passage why he took them on that detour. And that's our second lesson, which is God, uh, we can overestimate our ability to take new ground. Especially when it comes to when we, when we see God work in our lives. In the story, you know, Israel was feeling themselves a little bit. And notice it says, Israelites left like an army ready for battle. Right? They had seen God move in mighty ways and they had, Moses was all of a sudden to come on the scene and, and they had been let go. Not only let, they let go, but the scripture says that they took with them the plunders of Egypt. Egypt was so desperate to get them out the door, they were throwing all their gold and silver. Just go, just leave us alone. And they were feeling themselves. They were like an army ready for battle, but God knew better. God knew that that was not, they didn't have, they weren't prepared inside for a real battle. Anybody ever been in that situation where you, you know something happens and you, you you think you know like oh I got this and then and then you come across something and realize oh no I don't anybody ever try like a home improvement project <laughs> well Shane and I one of our favorite shows is help I wrecked my house it's just the show of all these people with these great visions for these houses they've built. And they, they just start knocking down walls. And before they know it, they, they look around and their house is completely destroyed. And they have no idea what to do about it. This can be us in our own lives sometimes. We overestimate our ability to take new ground. But, so God, but God takes that into account. And so he leads us in a way that prepares us for what's coming. And we'll see that uh, as we go on in the text. We're going to jump down to verse 21. It said, The Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud, and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or night. And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. Lesson number three. God doesn't just set you free. He leads you to freedom. God doesn't want to just set you free. He wants to lead you to freedom. What's the difference? The difference is being set free is like, like getting released from jail. Right? Your, your, your sentence is up. They open the doors. They give you your real clothes back. They let you walk out. And maybe if the guard is nice, they say good luck. Right? You are free, technically. 
But it is now on you to figure out the rest of what is to come. God doesn't just want to set us free. He wants to lead us to freedom. Being led to freedom is an ongoing guidance that shows us how to get and stay in and walk in and live in freedom. Jesus wants to do more in your life than just break you out of Egypt. He doesn't just want to set you free from shame and guilt. He doesn't just want to set you free from addiction and sins. Jesus wants to lead you to a life of freedom. Lead you to a life of closeness with Him. Lead you to a life to understand of who, who He made you to be. He wants to show you how to unleash the amazing gifts and callings and plans that He has for you in your life. He wants to lead you there. And just like the Israelites, He led them with a, a pillar of clouds um, he wants to lead us. He just uses a different method to lead us. He doesn't use a pillar of clouds. Probably because we live in Columbus and 99.9% .9 of the time our sky is nothing but clouds and we wouldn't be able to follow it anyway. Um, he has different pillars for us. And I just want to stop and take a minute and highlight, highlight three. There, there are others. There are many ways that God leads us. But these are, these are the most universal. I would say these three are maybe the most indispensable. If, if any one of these three is lacking in your life, then I would be willing to bet that in at least a big part of your life somewhere, you are missing guidance. And these are not going to be uh, brand new information to you, but I think uh, it, it, it bears taking a moment for self-reflection. And the first pillar is this, His Word. His Word. Scripture. God, all Scripture is God-breathed. God gave us this amazing text that contains within it Almost all the guidance you need, 90% of the time when we are faced with not knowing what to do, it's not because he didn't already tell us. 90% of the time it's because we either know and want to don't, don't like the, the guidance that he's giving us, or we haven't taken the requisite time to discover that he's already told us what to do and is in his word. We have to be regularly soaking in his word. So that's the first pillar. The second pillar is his spirit. His spirit. God, the, God, the Holy Spirit, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you have submitted your life to Christ, he is resident inside of you. John 14, 26 says, but when the father sends the advocate, that that's, a, that's the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything he has, he has told you. So this builds on, so we read the word of God, we, we put that inside us, but it's not just on us to understand it all. God sends his spirit, his spirit is within us and reveals that word. He puts a highlighter on parts of the scripture that apply to our different situations. Romans 8, he says in verse 26, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. 
Anybody ever been there? <laughs> You're just like, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, God. God has sent the Holy Spirit within us that, you know, that counts. I know in my own life, some of the most effective prayer moments I've ever had, there was not one intelligible word or sentence uttered. It was sighs and groans and kicks and tears. The Spirit within us. We need to start recognizing and acknowledging that the Spirit of God is resident within you. The enemy loves to try and convince us that we're the one that doesn't really hear him. Right? That's, that's for those more those people that know more scripture, that are better Christians. You know? And it's just not true. God is speaking to... I cannot wait till we get to heaven and we all get to find out how much of our life we were following the Spirit's guidance and didn't even know it. You are not as smart as you think you are. <laughs> A lot of your good ideas aren't really yours. <laughs> it is God speaking to you, and, and which is fine, but the more attention we pay, the, the more we learn to listen and recognize His voice the more specific he can guide us, the better we are become navigating and following his leading and it, the less of our life we live in confusion. So the second one is, second pillar is his spirit. And the third one is his body. His body. That means everybody else in the room that's not you is, is his body to you. Jesus prays over and over and over again for unity. Why? Because it's essential for him to lead us. Paul teaches that not one of us have all the gifts necessary to fully follow and express God's glory in this earth. We need each other. Paul compares us to a literal body. That, that we're all members. We're all different parts. And without any one of us, we are lacking I genuinely believe that many of us, our, our, our struggles in our spirituality, our struggles in life could be traced back to a lack of inability to pursue things in community. Following Jesus is a team sport. And too often we do it by ourselves, especially when it comes to trying to follow him, trying to seek his will, trying to understand and guide his guidance for our personal life. Too much of the time we do this, we try and do it in a little personal bubble. And just like the Israelites, God wants to guide you to the exact right spot at the right time. But we have to be submitting to those pillars of guidance that the Lord has set up for us. Where are you today with these pillars? I want to just give you a moment to kind of assess this in your own life. <clears throat> How?
How much are they an intentional, active part of your week? Notice I said week, not life. Because it's easy to kind of go, oh yeah, that's a part of my life. I'm especially bad at that because I'm one of these people where, you know, Shannon will ask me, you know, when, when, when did this happen? And I'll say, I don't, last, last month, remember last month when that happened? And she'll be like, that was 2017. <laughs> oh, it's easy to think, oh yeah, this is in my life. And we're looking so far back, we don't realize that that, that was, it, it's not in your life. It's in your past. Are these an active part of your week? Because for most of us, if it's not in this week, probably wasn't in last week or the one before that. How is his word being activated and soaked into your life? Besides right now. When are you making space and listening for his spirit to speak? Who and how often are other members of this body speaking into the important parts of your life? Who knows your stuff? Who's the person? Who do you go to when... When you have a big decision to make. Who do you talk to when you're confused? I think for a lot of us, the answer is nobody. I'll be the first to raise my hand. I'm the worst. I'll be like, I'm like Paul. I'm the chief among sinners. <laughs> right? Because it's... It, it's it takes extra effort. And here's the thing. It, it's not something you can turn off and turn on. You either develop this in a, as a pattern and you develop these relationships so that when the issues come up, they get dealt with and you have that base and it just happens. Or those things are not a part of your life. And when those things come up and when the problem comes and when the confusion comes and when you, you need to talk to someone, when it comes, you don't have the relationship built. And it's too late in that moment for that question. And the de- and here the sad thing is, it's like this inverse thing. The deeper the issue, the more, the deeper the relationship needs to be for you to be able to deal with that with somebody else and hear what they have to say and for them to really know you and be able to to give you good sound advice. And so often when something gets to the point where it's so bad that you can't deny that you need outside help, you go to look for it and you're starting at ground zero because it's like the first time you've talked to this person about anything other than the Buckeyes. How is that going? For some of us, We may be struggling with feeling lost or confused because the reality is we're missing one of these pillars in our life, or maybe a couple. 
The good news is we, we have a good shepherd. He, he, he knows where all his sheep are at all times. He, he sees you. He knows where you are. And today can be a day of recalculation, like on your GPS. Today can be a day that you begin to build that extra pillar. But there are some here today that are thinking, look, I know I'm not perfect. Because we are, right? But I really am trying to follow as best I can. And things still seem really off course. I still really, I I don't know what else to do. I'm talking with people. I'm I'm, I'm in the Word. And it just feels like this situation, at least in this one area or, or this other thing over here, it just feels like everything is, is, is collapsing in. I'm still struggling in my relationship with my spouse. My, my finances stink. My life still seems to be purposeless. I don't know, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just getting up every day and you know, doing the things on my calendar and putting my head to bed. And it's, what is, what is life supposed to be? This world is just out of control and I feel helpless and hopeless. And every time, every time I, 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 I'm afraid to walk out the door and hear what crisis started today. If that's you this morning, I believe the Lord wants to encourage you with the rest of this story. So stay with me. It'll get a little worse before it gets better, but it gets better. I promise. We're going to jump back into the text in chapter 14. Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses. He said, order the Israelites to turn back and camp by that one city between the other city and the sea. And then camp there along the shore across from the other place. I'm not even going to try. Then Pharaoh will think, the Israelites are confused. They're trapped in the wilderness. Once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after you. I have planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped there as they were told. God tells his people that he's going to use them to display his glory. How great! You know, that's a great promise. We, We get that word, we're like, yes! Yes, for your glory, God. And he tells them to make camp. Great, yes, right here. You gave me three points. I know right where I am. I'm going to go. What a promise. How nice for them. But it's amazing sometimes how far apart our idea of the right place and the right time is and God's idea of the right place and the right time is. Look at where he actually led them. And look at their response to that. Verse 5, he says, When word, word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. What have we done letting all those Israelite slaves get away, they asked. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot, called up his troops. He took with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots, along with the rest of the chariots in Egypt, each with its commander. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So he chased after the people of Israel who had left with fists raised in defiance. The Egyptians chased after them with all the forces in Pharaoh's army, all, all his horses and chariots, his charioteers and his troops. The Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were camped beside the shore. 
as Pharaoh approached the people of Israel, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still there? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Not such a great plan now. See, from Israel's perspective, they had followed the pillars and it had led them into a trap. A no-win situation. And so they're, they're calling out, they're crying out to Moses saying, what have you done? This is why at the beginning of this passage we read today, God knew they weren't ready. And some of you maybe can identify with this in some way this morning. You feel hemmed in, feel like you were heading in the right, you're heading in the right direction. You're trying to follow God as best you can, but you just... There's an ocean on one side and this giant army chasing you on the other. And if that's you, I don't miss this Moses reply to them. Pretend he's speaking it just straight to you today. Verse 13, but Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. What a great verse. What a great verse. Watch what God does. I know most of us have heard this story a million times, but I pray it it comes fresh with us today. Verse 20 says, "The The cloud settled between the Egyptian and the Israelite camp. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and the Israelites did not approach each other all night. Makes sense. There was a fire between them. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through, through the water with a strong east wind. All The wind blew all night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through in the middle of the sea on dry ground with waters Walls of water on each side. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots. I mean, it's everybody. He took, I mean, they they did the list. This is the whole Egyptian army. All of them come chasing into the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, the Lord looked uh, looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud. And he threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the waters rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. The waters returned and covered all the chariots and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh, all of the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites. Not a single one survived. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. 
They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. God wants you to know today that he sees you and he has a plan. Our final lesson for today is simply this. He's got you. All right? Listen, I've said this before and I just, I I love this saying. We play checkers. God plays 3D chess. You ever seen that game? It's like chess, but the board's broken up into all these dimensions. It's like one of the hardest games you can play. See, what Israel couldn't see is that God was actually providing for their future freedom as well. See, history will bear out by taking out Egypt's army. Now, he eliminated the greatest power in in the region, in that entire, you know, ancient Near East. And for generations, it would be generations before another true empire would rise up. And it created this interesting little vacuum in history where there was no giant power. A perfect little pocket in time where a giant group of refugees could develop into a nation and and find a home for themselves. This was the last you were going to hear of the... This was the once and for all battle that God fought with Egypt. They weren't going to bother Israel and its development anymore after this. Some of us need to hear today in your heart the words God spoke to his people all those years ago. Don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Look, I don't know what's going on in your life today, but I do know that God has a plan and it's, it, it is to lead you into freedom, to lead you into paths of righteousness. And I just want to um, give, us, give us some opportunity this morning to, to, to be honest before the Lord. And then I want I wanna, us to pray together that we would see we would see his operation in our life that he would he would begin we would begin to understand and, and begin to see our situations with new eyes that we could just stay calm and stand Would you bow your heads with me? God, we invite you into this moment.